0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito Com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
1: This is Afternoon Pancakes, Season 2, this is episode six, my name is Jared. I'm here with my good friend, Steven Reed. How are you doing today, sir?
0: I am doing fantastic. We are doing this on a Colts Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, good to oh, do yeah. this kind of a pre-game, pre-game run with the afternoon pancakes, really morning pancakes. <laughs> That's it what was. it's called, pancakes
1: yeah it's just pancakes, but yeah it's uh it's an interesting time to be podcasting about football to make the most broad statement I can. It's a little m- more interesting to be doing it the day of. I kind of like it because um outside of the Friday injury report, there's always this kind of for me uh holding your breath between the Friday injury report and Sunday, right? Because you never know what happens over that 24 hours where a guy ends up not playing. It happens all the time. And the Colts specifically this week face uh, the Browns who I want to come right out and say that they're overrated. Um, That's however, a statement. thank you um they're they're overrated um their record does not speak to uh, their cohesion and consistency as a unit and it may not be this week they may get one up on the Colts I'm not afraid to call somebody overrated and then say hey we may lose lose to him without our two best players so take that for what it's worth right but what I'm saying what I mean to say is I do not I do not see them going 3 and 1 the remaining 3 quarters of the season right so their record is a little ahead of where I think they are I think they're more like a 500 ball club um if you look at their numbers both offense and defense they that kind of leans towards teams that Win more or would be in the upper half on offense and defense um statistically uh, and, and again, these are just broad broad stroke statements to kind of paint the week for you right um but really uh this is one of those weeks where the colts tra- uh traveling after having a couple nice home wins um have not allowed an excess of eleven points in three games. Um, real, really from my memory and you need to please correct me when I'm wrong, Steven, but this is the best start to a season I can remember as a Colts fan all the way around. The only beef I have with the way the season's going is Avi injuries, right? Yeah, but best defense in the league and it's not close.
0: Yeah, that's the thing is this defense has been just absolutely dominant. And when you break it down, like we've said this before, it's kind of odd as Colts fans to be talking about having a dominant defense and having them really carry your team. But for the Colts and, and for you know any team that really wants to win a Super Bowl, you really need to have a top 10 defense. I um, think that's going back. I, I can't remember the last time a team didn't have either – uh, have a top 10 defense and in, won in the Super Bowl. I know every single time Tom Brady's ever won a Super Bowl, his defense has been a top 10, if not a top five defense. Um, And so maybe New Orleans um, back against the Colts would have been the only other one I can think of. But yeah, the fact that this is the defense is carrying the team and that's that, that stat you threw out there that you know they've only allowed 11 points um, no more than 11 points in three straight games is pretty remarkable. Um, with regards to the, the Browns, they are – I think they're a dangerous team. I think the problem with, with Cleveland sports in general is they are overrated just because their fans get so absolutely rabid about their fanbic, about their team that you always feel like they're hyped more than they are because the fans are pushing that, and it gets views, it gets clicks, it's all that. So you see more and more – Brown stuff. Um, from a, a X is a no standpoint, like the Browns roster. I, I've said this for two years now. They they've got a top top ten roster in the NFL. Um, and I don't think that that's that's really pushing any kind of barrier at all. It's just I think that's kind of true. Uh, you know, then you know, once they got a semi knowledgeable coach in there they that that's made all the difference and so I'm excited for this game today and and seeing what happens um I think the Colts are going to be in a tough spot um with with Darius Leonard being out and Anthony Costanzo being out
1: right it kind of goes without saying uh if this were a Madden season and I I could stomach the loss of a Paris Campbell and a Marlon Mack. Cause I actually think the Colts have excellent depth at running back and wide receiver, uh, in terms of an NFL franchise, I'm not speaking in general, of course, because if that were the case, I think the, the NFL on the whole, uh, lacks depth at running back and wide receiver, uh, because they just don't believe in paying guys that, you know, could easily get hurt in the single play, you put them in. Right. Um, so, the what ends up happening is, you know, you can stomach the loss in a department in which you think you have a lot of depth, but when it comes to Anthony Costanzo and left tackle, very important position. And then um Darius Leonard's position, which is I I want to say it's like an outside linebacker. It is a hybrid role. It feels like he's all over the football field doing all kinds of things. It's really – I don't know. He, you just call him an outside linebacker, but he's really like the linchpin of your defense, right? Um, and he kind of plays a, a special a role on your defense. And to have the left tackle position, which – Again, is one of the most important positions on the offensive line. I th- I would say it's probably second to center. Right? You need you need a good center quarterback exchange, and then I think your your left tackle is like hugely important. Um, to be missing him on offense, I think you'd pointed out, uh, Stephen, before we started that uh, the Colts are like two and thirteen without him.
0: Yeah. Whenever Anthony Costanzo misses misses time due to injuries, the Colts have struggled. And to your point about the most important player, I, I'm full on in, in saying left tackle is the most important offensive line position. Uh, but I think that center quarterback having a, an intelligent and capable center can cover a lot of holes that, uh, that, that your other offensive lineman may struggle with or Um uh, And <laughs> so, it, it makes it a little bit easier for the coaching staff for the players um, to have a, a solid center. Um, but if you don't have a, a top tier left tackle, especially in today's game with how athletic these edge rushers have become, then your, your quarterbacks in for a world of hurt.
1: Right. And kind of what the Colts have, um, relied heavily upon this year is keeping the pocket clean and keeping uh Philip Rivers upright. Because one thing we know for sure is that he is definitely thirty seven years old and it shows. When he tries to move, it takes a moment. Um so and one of the things that also needs to point out is a lot of people have come to me and said like, okay, without Costanzo, Miles Garrett feasts. And I just want to point out that they both they both have an L in their position as in Costanza's a left tackle Garrett's a left end um so they're not on the same side of the line of scrimmage um uh, they don't line up against each other traditionally that does not say yeah that when LaRaven Clark steps in at left tackle that Miles Garrett isn't licking his chops and saying that dude probably uh Probably, if anything, lacks the flexibility and mobility that Costanzo has, because that's one of the things that Costanzo really does have is great range. Um, he can he can really, you know, stuff the inside bull rush. He can really take you out wide. Uh, he can beat you around the outside, too. Um, I can imagine the reason Larry McClark hasn't taken a contract somewhere else and gone and play is because he can't get past anthony because what anthony costanzo can do so miles garrett may want to line up against him and give him a give give him some pressure um but that isn't to say that la cart couldn't struggle um against a non-miles garrett pass rusher right he just hasn't played because anthony costanzo has been so consistently healthy um so it will be a unique challenge for the colts again i don't what i say all of that to say i don't necessarily expect it to be like miles is la clark and, and the colts implode right i don't that's not what i expect to happen um but it definitely it could be a potential matchup that the browns ch- decide to exploit right because la clark is a backup right not because it's normal right it's a, an abnormal situation Yeah.
0: Well, a lot of these guys with the exception of like you know, Frady and Mathis, um, for Colts fans, you, you always knew where those guys were going to line up. Um, a lot of these younger edge rushers, they're not as set to just one position on that line. Um, right. You know, there are some guys that, that have trouble, you know, rushing from the other side. Um, but these guys, these are super athletic guys like Miles Garrett, um, you could see him swapping over. And I think Cleveland will take advantage of that. Right. Um, they'll go through and they'll put him down there or they'll blitz from that left side to make LaRaven Clark have to make a decision. So they might keep Miles Garrett over there on that right side to, you know, line him up against Braden Smith and then try to confuse Raven Clark on that backside on that, that left side with stunts, with twists, with different blitzes, um, trying to get him off his game. And then you see, oh kind of try to rattle him, try to shake his confidence, and then you go and throw Miles Garrett over there on the other side and then just let him eat, which is, for a Colts fan, not what you want to see, but if I'm sitting there, I'm the Browns, that's exactly what I do.
1: Yeah, and while the Browns roster is pretty intriguing from a player personnel perspective, you're definitely like, wow, they really do have uh, a reasonable at, all the all the real um, playmaking positions, right? They really have all the big
0: positions.
1: Um, like,
0: they, yeah, they've got skill position guys. They've got you know the edge rushers. They've got corners. Like all those big positions that you really kind of look for. Yeah, they were just they're they've got a really
1: good roster, right? The I think traditionally what has hurt uh, Cleveland is for them to start their season strong and then have a really important game and just come out and play really flat. So the the hope, of course, is that's today and that even this Colts defense, I even saw that uh, Anthony Walker is questionable and I'm still willing to throw out there that um, the Browns have scored less points than they've given up. Um, So again, like I think that three and one is an aberration Uh, I'm pretty sure the Colts are favored to win, even though it's a road game, even though Vegas has had the same information we've had for a few days anyway, that Costanzo and and Leonard are out um, and still saying the Colts should win. So I expect, if anything, based on what's being said, it should be a better game than we've had the last few weeks in terms of just being a little tighter, right? Um, Probably more along the lines of the Chicago game. The, you know 19 to 11 um but again I, you could kind of go either you could go either way because just like you said there, there's two realities that cleveland lives in and one is they play to their potential and the, the potential of that roster and they beat the uh dallas cowboys the only issue i have with like hinging your hopes on that single win is well the cowboys are one and three right so when they played their potential against a uh, america's team and they come out on top you think you think the world of them right but what happens when they're at home against the colts and the colts are kind of dinged up what happens think about this think about human behavior they come out and they're a little soft right because you're banged up they score early they think it's over and then what happens philip rivers comes out who's completing for the record about 15 percent More of his passes than Baker Mayfield, and if I remember correctly, and I know I'm hopping around, but defensively the Browns are horrible on third down. We have a veteran Philip Rivers, uh, a future Hall of Fame quarterback. Who do you want on third down, right? Who else would you rather have, right? So when it comes to, uh, yeah, left tackle is really a hyper important position, and yes, Darius Leonard is very important to the defense. Missing both those players, the browns are three and one they should they should be able to beat the Colts at home. They have to do that to keep up in their division remember they're well, not even they're not even the favorite in their division
0: no, they're like third in their division um, right and and here's the thing with the browns it, I think your point on them maybe coming into this game a little um ahead of themselves is is spot on they've got they're coming off a win in Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. Which is it's tough to play in Dallas regardless, and even though the Cowboys are one in three, um, it's definitely a a difficult situation yeah, ever to to win on the road. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, when you look at the Browns team as itself, like they ran for three hundred yards, they passed for two hundred. Um, that like they were they were basically buoyed by the the running game. There, right. they they were okay um, throughout the game. Uh, they, you know, Dak Prescott and the uh, the Cowboys gave up three turnovers in the game. So, like for me, like the biggest the biggest thing for the Colts this week or today uh, against the Browns is that they need to hold off the running game. And and being able to stop the run of Cleveland, because if they can slow them down and force Baker Mayfield to beat them, I have a lot more confidence in you know the Colts defense against Baker Mayfield, and having Mayfield make one of those boneheaded mistakes that yeah. that he has been known to make. Um, and if you can get after him, when you think about it, the Cowboys themselves they've got some decent edge rushers um, on their roster but they don't have really anybody in the middle and then for quarterbacks like a Baker Mayfield quarterbacks you know like a um for for most quarterbacks the biggest issue you have is to get pressure in your face that's why DeForest Buckner has been just such a huge huge addition for this defense is because he's able to single-handedly get pressure in that quarterback's face so you're able to let Grover Stewart be able to eat up running backs. So if they're running inside, they're not getting anywhere usually. Um, the, the Colts rushing you know, defense is one of the top in the league, if not the top in the league. Um, yeah. They're just a fantastic defense all the way around. So you've got those guys there. If Baker Mayfield starts to scramble, run out, you've got really intelligent linebackers in Anthony Walker and Bobby Okariki are still going to play and very fast outside linebackers and Bobby Ocricky. And then a, a guy that you had mentioned before the show, EJ speed that, that should get some good, should get some good play this week. Mm-hmm. And so that should be some, that should be somebody that we look out for that. We we're excited for going into this game to see how well that he is able to produce. The other thing you think of is you've got some decent edge rushers, there with, you've uh, got a great one with Justin Houston. Um, but then you've got Alkadi Muhammad, Danico Autry rushing from the other side, and they've been efficient and they've been on assignment, which is what they really need to be in this defense, is to make sure that they don't let them break contain, basically, mm-hmm. and you're able to bring them down. So, my key to this game, and we're throwing it out there in like the middle of the podcast. But my key to this game is the Colts' defense's ability to stop the run because I don't have a lot of faith in Baker Mayfield to be able to um, make all the passes. He was like 60, just over 60% um, on 30 passes last week for 165 yards um, and two touchdowns. Over the, the course of the season, I don't think that he's been too much better. If you give me a minute, I can go ahead and and look that up. His completion percentage so far this season is just above 60%. It's
1: 62.6%. Right. Um,
0: if you want to compare that to say, like a Philip Rivers, for example, let's bring him up.
1: 72.7, 10%, a full 10% more of his passes.
0: There's, and that is that is after when you think about it. His first two games were okay, uh, or his first game was okay. And then he had against the Vikings had 76% completion percentage against the Jets, 81%. And then against the Bears that dropped to 55%. And don't forget, that Bears defense is really good. We just saw it again on Thursday. Right. That was one of my big takeaways from this past week is don't discount the Bears because Nick Bowles is just meh. Like right. That defense is right up there with the Colts is one of the top defenses in the league, and so to have Philip Rivers, you know, throw for fifty five percent completion against the Bears is not terrible. Uh, you saw what they did to Tom Brady; they, they they got so far in his head that he forgot what down it was. Right. That's that's the crazy part. Um, I'm just joking. Tom Brady just didn't have Belichick there to tell him what down it was, so he screwed right. up. Um, but anyway. So that's what you have to look at is, is this Cleveland defense isn't nearly as good as the bears defense. And so I think you're going to see uh, Frank Reich really open up this offense. And I think you're going to see them take a little bit more shots because those shots are going to be there for them if they need it. And I think you're going to see, you know, at, as a whole, the Colts running offense should, I think they're going to try to get it going this weekend uh, or get, going today is, is to get that running offense really, really moving. Yeah. And try to just force it. And you saw the playbook that, that Cleveland had against Dallas is they were just going to run the ball, run the damn ball and rack up a bunch of yards. Mm-hmm. And that's how they were going to beat them. That's, that's what Frank, that's Frank great's dream right, right there is, is just running for 300 yards, passing <laughs> for 200 and getting a huge win. Um, because even though, the like that game last week was forty nine to like thirty eight or something like that. They mm-hmm. the, the the Browns put up almost fifty points. Um, fact is that game was out of hand. Like right. Dallas scored twenty four points in the fourth quarter. Like how that, that game was done after three quarters, basically.
1: Yeah, I was kind of. Looking at statistics while you were, were talking there, and really what I came away with was basically with everything except for ESPN's total QBR, um, Phillip Rivers is a little better than Baker Mayfield in a lot of categories. Colts defensively, one of the best in the league. Browns, obviously, are going to be just not as good as the Colts in those categories. Uh, a couple of things that I'd noticed over the course of the week that got brought to the media like the media brought it up in like segments on like you know good morning football or whatever uh but nobody ever i've hadn't seen any articles written about it was the colt's lack of blitzing um well it kind of sounds like over the week you know we've gotten some sound bites out of the uh, defensive coordinators and that these defensive players that they've kind of changed their scheme a little and they're not they're not playing this cover two. They're It's more of a cover three and they they haven't really, bl- you know, blitzing the least in the NFL or there, if there ever was a week where you felt like you could get in someone's head, this would be the week to like start blitzing and, and mixing up your coverages and starting to really work on the intricacies of your, of your um, sequences on defense uh, because it really does, feel like the defense is so good that they know what the offense is kind of doing. Um, and, and it shows they're getting off the field. It's not like I'm saying something I can't back up. Look at the tape, right? The defense is very in tune with what the offense is doing early on in football games. Um, but I think even more so without a sure tackler, right? A, a very certain takes great angles, um, you know, gets off blocks and, and gets, gets his helmet on the football and, Uh, hasn't been terribly disruptive in terms of poking a ball out either this year. So Darius getting a week off gives all the rest of the defense an opportunity to step up, make a big play. Um, One of the things I noticed, uh, the Browns are heavily reliant on their defense of forcing a turnover. Uh, So far this year, the Brown defense has forced a turnover on about a little over one out of five drives, um, which is really good uh it's just impossible to maintain and i get it i'm i'm so um like i'm i'm trying to hype the colts up and talk down the browns right like it's a pro colts podcast so welcome to the show but the the reality is like i'm just trying to bring the browns back down to earth knowing that the colts are banged up right and and like you know, I I said earlier this week, I got to, um, and by the way, thank you to Stampy Blue for this opportunity, but I got uh, through Twitter. Somebody asked me to be the Colts representative on a podcast. I did terrible, in case you wondered how it went. Um, basically, they asked a bunch of questions from like, uh, like deep statistics, like depth of targets, and it was for the Browns, and I'm not necessarily interested in what the Browns are doing on offense uh, from like a deep dive perspective, but... Um so yeah big shout out to Stampy Blue thank you if it weren't for you I probably wouldn't get opportunities like that um but yeah I say that to say I had said earlier in the week I felt like it was going to be a barn burner like a 38-35 game but now that I've watched a little more tape you know they they replay uh, the games on NFL Network over the course of the week so I actually watched Cleveland Dallas and like you said this game was 49 to like 17 at one point and then they just let them score and get back in the game. And it leaves you to wonder, it's just like we've been saying forever, like you got to have continuity. You can't just show up and everything clicks year one and you just go get it. There's no proof of that, right? There's, <laughs> there's no like first year org that just like came together, came out and won a title and just kept it going. It's not the way it works. It takes time. It takes some time together and some time, time to develop and in, into your uh, playing your best week in, week out. Uh, and if I had to call myself a believer or a non-believer, like I don't really believe in the Browns, right? I don't believe they've been together long enough that staff and those players, right, to show you enough continuity to say that this 3 and one start is anything other than an aberration. Where I feel like, from the Colts' perspective, this 3 and one start is earned, right? Like they, they went out and built a franchise, right? This Reich-Ballard consortium ran out and built this franchise up and this three and one is more solid right i'm more confident in the colts at three and one than i am in the browns at three and one uh and looking into this game now now i see it as a much tighter um more of a field position game uh because where the browns have been successful offensively is in big plays uh, Odell Beckham Jr., Kareem Hunt. Now that Nick Chubb's down, uh, he's had he's had two big plays um, uh, just in his short time this season. Um, but what I say that say that to say they're so reliant on those plays that it's just like uh, Steven said earlier. You know, you put Baker Mayfield into a third and long situation; he's not necessarily the type to throw to the sticks. He's the type to huck it downfield and see if he can make something happen. I just think that's what the Colts are good at preventing from happening, is those. And, and I say good to know we all get our heart broke sometimes, right? Um, and they're gonna make mistakes, but I I really feel like that's the kind of game that Cleveland plays itself into. Right, if they're not able able to easily run the ball, then they get into these third and dumb situation, you know, like third and seventeen, right? And instead of just trying to get a first down and keep the um drive alive, they'll try to throw it fifty yards down the field and see if they can make something happen. And Odo Beckham Junior is absolutely that guy, right, that he will absolutely make that play. Um, but again it's if they do that once or twice a game and it results in fourteen points and that's the only points they're able to put on the board, I'm confident that the Colts win that game. Right. Now if they're able to run the ball and score regularly, in addition to getting a couple big plays out of Oda and Jr., Colts are in big trouble. I think that's that's worth saying. Like if if the Cleveland offense gets a rolling, it's gonna be a problem for the Colts, uh, Cause the Colts haven't shown that. And that's the ability to to go tit for tap for with someone, to kinda stand in there and trade blows, you know, big heavyweight bout type stuff. Um, they've just managed to outmaneuver their opponents so far, um, but again, and I I am talking in circles. I say that the Colts are built again to fight that, and the data kind of shows we're more successful at doing what we do on defense than the Browns are at showing what they're good at on offense, right? It comes at such a high cost to the Browns to generate those big plays. You have to put yourself in bad positions to do that. You know, you're not getting those 50-yard plays on first down right you're you're doing it when you're backed up and gotta make something happen, so like I said, i initially was was kind of hoping that the these three and one teams meeting here in week five were gonna be like really good versions of teams, and obviously with the Colts not being as healthy and and me again thinking like the Browns are kind of overrated that it's a uh, it's going to be a tight, a tight game, like more like a 21, 17 game, I think.
0: Yeah. Here's the one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to point on, and this is something that I think you're right that the Colts might do um, is is blitz a little bit more often on defense, mm-hmm. because as we know, Baker Mayfield is a little bit of a loose cannon at times. Yeah. Um, he's not known um, to be that gym rat, um, He's can get off his game pretty easily if you you start to hit him. Mm-hmm. Um and so and he he's a bit hot headed. So I think this could be like the perfect game with Darius Leonard being out, that they might look to send more more blitzes, you know, a little Kenny Moore um come in on off the off the corner, something like that. And When you see those mistakes happen, when you see Baker Mayfield try to rush a throw, don't be surprised to see Julian Blackman get another interception this week. Um, There was Xavier Rhodes. That's the thing about this defense is one parlay is straight into another. And if you start to get Baker Mayfield, if you start to hit him a little bit more, you send a little bit more pressure, try to confuse him a little bit. And he starts to make a couple errant throws. The Colts have playmakers on defense that are reliable that if they get a chance to make that pick, most of the time they're going to take, they're going to get it. Um, and so uh, that's one thing that I wanted to to bring up is to talk about you know the the defense and their ability to do it. And we kind of ping ponged a little bit here um, since we're doing this game day. Uh, one thing that we should also mention is talking about the the offense uh, to see how they. We've talked about how we expect them to run the ball a little bit more um, this week. I'd be interested to also see what their plan is with the wider receiver position, because they brought up Jake Eldrin camp and Marcus Johnson uh, elevated them from the practice squad today um, or yesterday uh, for, for today's game. And so Marcus Johnson has shown um, an ability to really be a playmaker with given the opportunity. Uh, I believe Darius fountain still on the active roster. Um, and so, They've got some guys that I think really could could have some big games today that maybe are lesser known. I, I'm also really interested to see – how what they do with trey burton now with another week of practice under his belt
1: because they were definitely trying to use him last week right they were like they, and, it and you was you saw so pointed it, so. yeah like you were like wow that play was there was no one else on that side of the field he was that that was he was singled out this the the yeah this play specifically for him um It'll be interesting, like you said, to see another week another week and what they can do with him and kind of what he's opened their eyes to his capabilities. i I'm still kind of intrigued at this tight end position for the Colts with with Mo Ali Cox and Trey Burton. Um, obviously, if I'm the Colts OC, I'm obviously running inside left, inside right up the middle right like i'm not really running my powers either way i don't want to run towards miles garrett and i don't want to run towards a backup tackle right so i'm going to keep it between the guards basically uh
0: you know what i think they they i think they might try to run at miles garrett just because he's it's kind of the similar theory that they teams would run at dwight freeney mm -hmm. um is you go after it if he consistently lines up on the left defensive end so across from Braden Smith. Brayden Smith's a better run blocker than he is necessarily a pass blocker. Right. Um, and so that wouldn't surprise me necessarily to have them run at that tackle um, right. to try to, you know, I, I do think that if they're going to pick a side, they're going to go to their, sh- they should go left because Quentin Nelson is left. Right. Um, or you, you might see a lot of trap and a lot of pulling guard plays where they swing Quentin Nelson out to the right and, you know, try to, pin Quentin Nelson on Miles Garrett and try to clear him out that way. Um, so th- they've got a lot of options here. Um, and if the Cleveland team as a whole doesn't stay disciplined, then the Colts should have a, a great opportunity to really take control of this game early. I would say they could take the crowd out of it, but the NFL's already done that. Um, and rightfully so, by the way, uh, just so <laughs> we're, we're all clear and make, COVID jokes and it is, it is intentional. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they, that no fans are in the stands because you're seeing a lot more uh, infections go on right now, which is really mind numbing. Um, but that said, when you think about the game itself, I think you're, there's a couple of keys that the Colts really need to focus on. And it's, it's the offensive line defensive line. It's, you know, are you able to run the ball and are you able to stop the run? And that ultimately is going to be a, pretty consistent theme throughout this entire season. It was the consistent theme for the first quarter of the season, weeks one through four. Um, You're going to see that go ahead and and keep going um, through the rest of the season, because that's exactly what Frank Reich and um, Chris Ballard want this team to do.
1: Right. It's this team is not built on a single individual. I don't Although the numbers say otherwise, right? The Colts are two and thirteen without Anthony Costanzo. Um most of those games were probably not played um with a uh, Philip Rivers or an Andrew Luck. It was I'm willing to bet he missed the most of his games the year that he, either year Jacoby was the quarterback. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think year, I think like eleven sorry. or thirteen, like
0: yeah, one year, uh, several years it was when Peyton was quarterback. Um, I think there was, like, I don't think they won a single game when Jacoby um, was quarterback for those two years. And then there was one win that Andrew Luck had when Costanza missed the game due to injury. And so, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's not a good look for the Colts if, if Costanza goes down. Um, Long term, so, but, like, in the yeah.
1: interim um you have to game plan for this you you have to expect that if you're on the Colts active roster it's not like they're sloughing off at the left tackle position because Anthony Costanza is there right the Raven Clark must be the best man for the job or Colts would have gone out and gotten somebody and I get it they elevated somebody right off practice squad um but yeah I think if I'm the Colts I'm trying to get the ball out quick uh but we were trying to do that anyway Um, I I'm baffled because i think that the Colts wide receivers and tight ends are good blockers i'm baffled at the lack of wide receiver screens i would screen people to death especially if i was afraid of their pass rush i would screen you to death i would literally just line up and bunch and just everybody blocks one guy just takes a step back and catches a swing pass and he's gone right especially if these teams are blitzing and and trying to get to philip rivers because that's what they've they've determined you know cleveland's decided we got to put pressure on philip rivers right well they go all out blitzing and you're just screening them to death or drawing them to death underneath them um I, I, that's what i would look to do or pat pass, short passes all day underneath to the tight ends just like we just talked about um, quick passes to your wide receivers because I think Phillip Rivers is great in short yarded situations and great in the red zone and those those kind of s- short field small area situations um, that bodes well for the Colts um, so I th- I think on the on the one hand yeah I mean it does not look good when you're not when you're missing your you know cornerstone left tackle yeah, but
0: well, and if, this could be a huge game for Neem Hines too. I, I, trying to go on with your point is there's probably going to see a lot of short passes, a lot of screens, yeah. things like that. Um, opposing quarterbacks against the Browns' defense is average. They're averaging over 300 yards and three touchdowns. So if there was ever a game for Philip Rivers to really open this up, yeah. like this would be it. Like the Browns' pass defense has been meh. Uh, I I really do think they're going to try to get Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Wilkins going in the running game to start and try to soften up that defense. And then they're going to try to just drop guys behind him or get Nehem Hines out of the backfield, something like that. You might even see more um, 22 personnel, um, two running backs, two, two tight ends. Um, And Mm -hmm. so I'll be interested to see how they, they ended up playing this. I know Frank Reich likes to run 12 and 13 personnel where you have one running back and two or three tight ends. Oh yeah, um, And so I'll be interested to see if they start to try to mix in where you've got Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines in the backfield at the same time, because if they do that, Naheem Hines is effectively a slot receiver. And right. so they can motion him out and feel confident putting both of those guys in there changes how the defense has to play them because when you have Jonathan Taylor in there, for the most part, you kind of assume that he's not they're, – they're either going to run a bubble, they're going to run a screen, or they're going to run him Right um, in that. But you're not really looking for him to go out into the passing game. On the other hand, Naheem Hines, when he's in there, you expect him to be running a route. Um because and if, if he's not running around, he's getting tackled relatively close to the line of scrimmage because they've been trying to run him between the tackles for four weeks now and it hasn't worked. Um, it, it's just it, I hope that he can break one off and, and have a big game, but through four weeks, it hasn't happened. And so I'm a, I'm a little concerned about that. I'd rather see Jonathan Taylor be in there and be the one that's really you know kind of laying the wood between the tackles. Um, and so. I, I'll be interested to see. I keep saying this. It, it, I'll be interested to see. I'll be interested. Like maybe I should rename that po- podcast. That. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at it and I'm going. This is a really great opportunity for Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni to open up the offense to really confuse the Cleveland Browns defense because you really ha- they've been pretty vanilla through four weeks. Uh, they and haven't I haven't th- had to open it up.
1: I think when we point out stuff like that it's where if I, cause I always try to speak as though I have some inside knowledge, right? Even though I, I don't. Um, but I try to think about it. We're we're on our podcast. We're watching, we're on this podcast. We, we, we pay real close attention to the game and social media, particularly, and what information they're willing to give up. and, when we say stuff like the Colts offense has been vanilla, and when ESPN puts out a segment and says the Colts have blitzed only on eleven percent of 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 blitzing downs, the downs that you should be blitzing on. The Colts haven't even felt the need to do that. This is Frank Reich, and remember they have data scientists on their team. What they're doing is they're trying with running Heinz up the middle for the record is they're trying to establish that he's not a one-trick pony. Look at us running him up the middle on this inconsequential down in a game that we're winning, right? Because it counts as a data point, and it skews the data these other teams are getting so that they're saying, like, well, they they will line up Taylor in the backfield, and he will catch passes. But is he the best in the Colts' backfield doing that? No, he is not. Naheem Hines is a superior pass catcher. Just look at yards after catch, right? And then similarly... You flip-flop that, and you say, well, if you put Hines in the backfield, is he a great between the tackle runner? No. Taylor is a better between-the-tackles runner. And just like you said, now you get into this awkward position where you're missing a key piece of your offense. You probably do have better better luck running the football using a two-tight end formation. How interesting, just like you said, is it if you line up um, Taylor and Hines in a split-back, backfield, and now the defense is – they're going to give away their, whether they're in man or zone right away because they're going to have to put the whichever back, whichever backer is going to take Hines, whichever one's going to try to take Taylor. They're going to have to line up, head up over them. I'm just letting you know that now. So they're going to give away their defense right away. And then hopefully the Colts can like motion to gain more information and then just end up uh, beating them tactically. And that's what I was speaking to when I was going on that rant earlier. I was saying like, I'm have more faith in what the Colts have built on a foundational level than what the Browns bring to the table. Right. I feel like the Colts are built. The Browns are bought. Right. Uh, the, the, the Browns have great pieces, right. Do they have a great locker room? I don't know. That's, that's a not really great I, way to
0: say it. By that's the way, not how I feel. That the, the Browns are bought. The Colts right. are built.
1: Yeah. And it's, it just gives me a different feeling. When I look at these two teams from a kind of a, a 30,000 feet, I'm like, Oh man, this Colts this Colts franchise feels as about as wired tight as I've I can and I get it. I'm such a fanboy. I don't recall, I don't recall a franchise being this wired tight. I get it. There' are more winning franchises. That's not what I'm after. There are teams that have less injury. That's not what I'm after. They have better quarterback situations. that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how an organization is run. And I say the Colts have built that three and one. And I look at the Browns and I don't feel the same way about the Browns that I do about the Colts. Mostly because if you just look on paper, most of their star power—this ain't their first rodeo. They were—they weren't fitting in somewhere else and came here. Now I get it, Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield; those two players specifically are like part of the foundational foundation of the Browns. And I get all that thing, but they've got a first-year head coach, right? They had that nightmare situation last year. Uh, that we we spent quite a bit of time pontificating about. And then this year, what what I'm really saying is, it's kind of, I think the Browns are fragile. And I, I find even the Colts without Costanzo and Leonard, I still think are foundationally better all over the place. You know, I, I was woke up this morning thinking about EJ Speed and watching film of him in college and thinking like, what is he doing at that rinky dink college this kid could have been playing at your clemson's at your virginia techs and of course if you know the story he had a sick relative a sick family member and chose to stay closer to home to go to college and got real excited saying like if darius leonard ever goes down the colts are already trying to put people in positions that hey are you long and stupid athletic and have a ton of gas hey we need somebody to chase darius leonard around and practice right ej speed is a perfect player for that and i get it there are guys that are going to Get more uh, tape, guys that are getting more reps, right? But I'm saying I'm just thinking back to guys that I remember thinking, man, if that guy ever gets on field, he's like greased lightning, right? And you wonder what kind of effect could he have on a football game where there's not enough film on him to even figure out what to do against him. And then the Colts start blitzing like crazy, right? This is the week for that. And that's what really ex- is exciting for me about this week. Because, you know, normally if the Colts are pretty good and you're playing the Browns, it's that's kind of the the host the party at your house, start talking about Thanksgiving. Am I lying? This is when you make your Halloween plans. This is when you make your Thanksgiving and Christmas plans. This is the Browns week, right? Am I li- Am I saying the wrong thing? It's the same thing when you play the Bengals and you play the Lions, right? When you play these these kind of lower tier in their division teams, this is kind of the, the looser week. But this week, because of our injuries yeah. and because the Browns have played pretty well so far, it has a, just this, this dash of nuance, right? Where well that's largely what the NFL is, is a a lot of really good athletes and in, in these teams that whether they're built or forged, right, to use Colts terminology, and I'm kind of embarrassed. Um but like there's just a different feeling for us. Like from my perspective, if the Colts lose this game, then you can just say, Hey man, Darius Leonard and Anthony Gaston are wildly important, right? And without them, we are not the same, and and, and that's okay, right? Because these guys are usually there, right? They're usually playing every week. So when they're not there and we struggle as a result and lose, hey man, that's just the way it goes. But I think the bear, the Browns and their fans, they have to have this game. And if they don't, it's an embarrassment. Where I don't feel like that for the Colts. I feel like it, it, it sucks to lose, man. But it, you're on the road, you're banged up. You've been banged up. This is just not a good look. This is not a good week, right? But- and here's
0: a, here's a funny story. So Cleveland Browns fans are super hyped right now. Oh, we yeah. had a couple um, that were nice enough to continue following me on the Twitter after uh, last year's comments about Freddie Kitchens and how Freddie Kitchens was going to run that franchise into the ground and they've got such a talented roster and all that stuff that, oh, lo and behold, I happen to be right on. Um, and he got fired before season's end, I think. Um, now, sadly enough, they've made the joke that Freddie Kitchens was going to last longer than Andrew Luck. And if we had any idea that both of them would be done within the, like six months of that, that I would have gotten a little sad. Um, but the, they are so hyped up right now that I've got multiple of the messages like, Hey, come on, let's do a friendly wager. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> Like I, you know, I'm glad you guys are hyped up. It's, it's great that you're really excited about your team. The Colts are now without their left tackle and their all pro linebacker. You know, I still think the Colts have an opportunity to win this game because they're able to do it as a reminder last year, week five, Kansas city, the Colts beat the chiefs without Darius Leonard. Um, and so this defense can do it and this defense is markedly better than what they were last year. And so right. I'm not as worried about Darius Leonard being out because like you mentioned, EJ speed, is going to be given a great opportunity. He's going to potentially come in and play very, very well. Um, hopefully he'll be able to fill that role. If not, even, even if EJ speed doesn't come in and they only use him on the base defense, right. most of your defenses now in the NFL are nickel. Right. And so me, meaning you're taking out a linebacker and you're adding it a defensive back. So the Colts are more likely to go in three safety sets than they are going to be in three linebacker sets. And so, you're, if you're relying on Bobby Okereke and Anthony Walker, you're feeling pretty good about your chances still, um, just because they—they're both are great playmakers. You're able to to keep Julian Blackman. You've got um, you've got Jordan. Um,
1: Kari, Kari Willis, Willis Hell is yeah.
0: going to be on the field. Um, you're going to have some options there to be able to counteract the fact that Darius Leonard's not there. And it's not something that you really are like, it's, it's not one of those positions where you don't know what you're going to do. Like Tavon Wilson's going to come in and play George Odom, Julian, like they're going to run some three safety sets. Um, and they're going to, I
1: mean, they're going to have to do that anyway. Right. Cause they're going to have to keep a cap on the top of the defense because the Browns mm-hmm. do like to attack downfield. They
0: they like to attack downfields, and they like to use these little tricky, like, cute plays, like Jarvis Landy throwing, throwing bombs or Odell Beckham Jr. throwing bombs to Jarvis yeah. to the either either or the other one. Yeah. Um, and so you need guys that are smart. You need guys that are fast. That's why I'm really excited about Julian Blackman to be on the backside of that defense because he's mm-hmm. a smart player, and yep. he doesn't get tricked very often. Uh, versus Malik Hooker, uh, for whatever reason, he just wasn't, handling it um he he was pretty consistently getting being out of position and it happened at the end of last season in several times and it happened at the start of this season um prior to him getting injured you sat there and you looked at and you go why did he's out of position like that's not where he needs to be this is not good for him because he's coming into a contractor he really needs to show them that he's putting in the work and then sadly he got injured Um, but, yeah, I'm I'm looking at this from a standpoint that they're going to have a lot more opportunities for different players on the defense. And I think you're going to see a, a little bit different, different um, defensive setup than what oh, they sure. have played in the past, just because Jerry Slender being out. And the biggest the biggest storyline in this game is Anthony Costanzo being down. That's the one right. that we really have to pay attention to.
1: Right, because he's the one essentially watching Phillip Rivers back uh when he uh, sets up the throw um and it just mean it just means the ball's got to come out quicker uh you're going to have more plays from shotgun i think it forces ingenuity especially given miles garrett coming from the opposite side right that expectation is right they're going to try to blitz they're going to try to do different things they're gonna, well i still think the colt's defense carries so much that the more i the more i look at it more i'm like well the browns are actually in trouble because Darius Leonard him his presence or lack thereof did not tell you whether or not you needed to be able to run or pass to win today that's how good Darius Leonard is Darius Leonard doesn't he improves your overall matchup against your opponent he doesn't pr- pr- improve you in specific areas he's just really good right Whereas the Colts' cornerbacks are starting to come into their own and starting to make plays on the ball. And before long, what's going to end up happening is the Colts' cornerbacks are going to start to win and make plays themselves and make interceptions themselves instead of tipping balls as the safeties come down with it, stuff like that, or let the safeties catch an overthrow or bad pass, right? Because we're getting pressure. Um, so I think it's a, a perfect storm uh, for Cleveland, right? Because this, would, this is a disheartening loss. Right. If you're to lose against a banged up Colts team at home because the Colts start playing, start flying around on defense, even more so than normal. Right. Because, again, what we've what we've already established is the Colts have just played really vanilla on defense. And again, I think it has a lot to do with no preseason kind of shifting your defensive focus uh, from a cover two to more of like a cover three, just like you said, putting more safety talent on the field because that's where the Colts really do have an embarrassment of riches on defense is cornerback and safety, right? They've, they've got a great defensive line. They have great linebackers, but in terms of like depth and more than one character, like their corners and their safeties are fantastic. Um, So I think this actually bodes worse worse for the Browns. I think this is a week where they're going to need the pass to win and they're going to struggle to do that or could struggle to do that where the as a general just statement, the Colts are just good against the run, right? So, I think like much like you said, I'm just taking a different route to get to the same spot, right? Like I think the Colts have a good defensive matchup and then offensively is where it really does pose some questions where you really you do have to account for effectively a bad situation on both ends, right? On both tackles. Uh Braden Smith's preparing for Miles Garrett and then Anthony Styles is not going to be there. And little Raven Clark's had to step in. So both those outside um outside in really is your concern uh if you're Phillip Rivers and the and the Colts. But like I said, we've talked about the myriad of ways that you could adjust against that at a tight end just to get a chip on that end. Uh, keep, you know, two running backs in the backfield. Those are all good ways to kind of mitigate that pass rush. But again, uh, I, I'm more of the guy to like screen them to death, short pass them to death, you know, make them really question, uh, bring in extra pressure. Uh, Cause I just don't think that's the an answer. I think good sound defense is what beats the Colts, right? Like playing good coverage and not allowing yards after the catch and generally generating a pretty good pass rush is pretty solid defense is going to, is playing winning defense, right? Getting turnovers, um, but the Colts really haven't. I say I need to cross, you know, cross my fingers and toes. I hope the Colts don't start turning the ball over. But that's what's been good about the Colts this year is, in lieu of turnovers, they've either scored touchdowns or kicked extra or kicked field goals. So uh, the the Colts certainly, again, again, we just keep coming back to the same the same point. Like the Colts are these this three and one feels a lot more secure and comfortable for me than. Than, the, than it does for the Browns. I think the Browns are teetering a little more on the brink of of, of a collapse, right? Uh, especially coming off a 49-point week, um, come out this week and score 10 points, and, and people really start to uh, fill with self-doubt, right? Um, the, the the you know Humpty Dumpty starts to crack a little bit um, if you're Baker, and that's and I say that because Baker Baker isn't the body, right? Um, there have been quarterbacks in the past a guy like cam newton uh who you've who uses his body as to his advantage uh and baker's not necessarily like a, a cerebral quarterback he's kind of somewhere above average in all areas right he's kind of a what i would consider a middling quarterback and wouldn't you know it he's like 16th ranked in the nfl in terms of his like all stats across the board so he's literally the the definition of a middling quarterback right So the key to getting at a middling quarterback is one uh, destroying his preparation because the film that he's been watching again, just it kind of ties what we've been talking to together, right? What we've been showing teams is just a base defense, not generating a natural pass rush and not blitzing much at all. Right. That's what we've been showing people. And then you come in and you play a Baker Mayfield and you figure if he's not a really cerebral quarterback, like a smart cat, he's he's going to get manipulated. Your that's your goal. Your goal would be to man- manipulate him and then make him uncomfortable um on defense. And I I think this is this is what the Colts do. Um So yeah, I'm 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 the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, "Oh, maybe it is a blowout." Huh, interesting. Like even though the the Colts are banged up, which is about the only reason I think that it isn't a blowout is because the Colts are banged up. That's yeah. a, that's why there's nuance this week. Otherwise I think this will be a butt whooping. Um, I'm afraid. So let's to say. go
0: ahead and let's go ahead and wrap then and say, what's, what's your prediction for today?
1: So as we've sat here, I think I said 2117 about 30 minutes ago, but now I'm thinking more like, a 10 point ball game, like a 27, 17 Colts on the road.
0: Yeah. I think if if this is a lower scoring game, the Colts probably are in the driver's seat. I think if it's a higher scoring game, then there's going to be, then the Browns might be a a little bit favored. I I have a hard time. I I guess I have a hard time thinking that the defense is going to give up a ton of points. And so uh, I, I, I'm going to say 27, 21, Uh, No, you know what? 27-20. So the defense gives up two field goals, two touchdowns. Um, So it's actually kind of a bad day for the defense. But I'm going to go 20. No. Yeah. 27-20. Okay.
1: Colts, of course.
0: Yeah. Colts. Sorry. That was, yeah, I did not say Colts. So thank you for clarifying. 27-20 Colts.
1: All right, and then do you want to quickly to wrap us up? Go through each of the games, just quickly say who he think's gonna win. Oh,
0: yeah, we can do that. All right, let me. Yeah, go ahead. Shoot me games. What we
1: got? Uh, all right. Uh, so hold on, I wish this would go away. All right, so Bengals Ravens at one o'clock. Pretty clearly, I think Baltimore wins that game at home.
0: Ravens.
1: Yeah. Uh, Eagles, Steelers at home. I'd take the Steelers to win at home. Steelers, yeah. Rams at the Washington football team. I'll take the Rams on the road. Rams. Yeah. Uh, Panthers at Falcons. I'm going to take the Falcons in this game. They've got to get over the hump eventually. They're I agree gotta with you. they got. They got to get a win, man. Uh, Jags at Texans.
0: I'm going to take the. Oh, this is a tough one. It is. I. I think the Jaguars have a chance to win another game here. Um, I and I would love it if the Texans lose out for the sole reason that Miami holds their first round pick next year. Um, and right. I don't care where the, the Texans finish. Um, <laughs> like this is why like during the draft, like leading up to the draft last year, I, I really wanted the Colts to trade their two second round picks to Miami. Um, For or trade one of those picks to Miami for Houston's first round pick this year because I knew the Texans were going to be so bad and I just wanted the Colts to get their franchise quarterback for the rest of for the future using the Texans first round pick like that's having it be a top five top ten pick and they get their franchise quarterback that you just every time they play two times a year this tormenting the Texans at how bad Bill O'Brien was I'm like that level of petty. (laughs)
1: i'm gonna go the opposite direction and i think uh bill bill o'brien was a toxic member of the texans organization and they get their first one of the season Um,
0: that's the only reason that i like that i'm wishy-washy on it is because of of them finally like getting their act together with bill o'brien gone but yeah, yeah i'm gonna go with the jags today so
1: and I'll take the Texans. And then uh, the Cardinals play at the Jets. I think the Cardinals, Cardinals. are going to win on the road. Uh, the Dolphins play at the 49ers. think that's pretty clearly a 49ers to get a good win there. Uh, Teddy I'm going to Br- go
0: Dolphins. I'm going to go Dolphins. Not Teddy
1: Bridgewater. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy playing Garoppolo. today.
0: Oh, he is playing today?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: um, all right. I'll go 49ers.
1: And then the Giants play at the Cowboys pretty clearly. I think the Cowboys get a win here. Cowboys. Uh, the Vikings tonight play at the Seahawks. I'm pretty sure the Seahawks are going to win that game. Seahawks, yeah. And then Monday Night Football, um, the Chargers play at the Saints. And again, I think the Saints win that game at home. Saints.
0: I think this is going to be a crazy game, too, in terms of
1: scoring. Oh right, because Justin Herbert's legit, by the way. And I do, and I I don't do this often enough. Point out when I'm correct, um, but go if you go look at the Stampy Blue uh, 2020 Draft uh, NFL Draft Guide that we put together, um, and go look at my evaluation of Justin Herbert. Um, I had him as like the sleeper QB in the class, and I, no, I didn't feel like anybody was really talking about Justin Herbert, but he's legit. And what do you know? Has taken a starter spot, and I think he's the first rookie to throw for 300 yards in three straight games. Um, be.
0: To be fair, he didn't really take Tyrod Taylor's spot. Tyrod Taylor's doctor took his spot. <laughs> like, like he
1: might have uh, paid like, hey, the
0: doctor to like puncture his lung, get a shot with, with but, that rookie yeah.
1: contract money, right?
0: Yeah, so yeah. uh, Did we skip the Chiefs-Raiders? I think so. Uh, Yeah,
1: I think the Chiefs uh, get a win at home. They're double-digit favorites at home (laughs) against the the Raiders. I do think that game has a little more more nuance, by the way. The Mm Raiders-Chiefs. The Chiefs are 11-point favorites at home, but I'm just throwing this out there. That's a big
0: point, too.
1: I would take the Raiders and 11 points all day. I was gonna say. <laughs> I would <laughs> like, take
0: Raiders and 11 points if I, if I were betting this
1: long. And then I think Tuesday, by the way, the Bills and Titans will play, and I'm I'm taking the Bills. I'm not. I probably mm-hmm. am so gonna have a hard time the taking the well. Titans the rest of the year, uh, just because I think they should forfeit their season. Yeah, well,
0: I, I also believe that they should forfeit their season, but I I just don't really like the this matchup for the Titans and having now two weeks off not being able to practice. And there's probably going to be like another spike in COVID cases within the organization. Like they haven't had on-field practices for what, two weeks now? Yeah. Yep. Like uh, this is like, to, to be honest, this is dangerous for the NFL to let them play. Um, That was one thing I've,
1: I've not ever said in a podcast, but I'm about to say it now, watch injuries. And it's not going to be pretty. That's yeah, worse so. the worst thing part of you know, they don't say it often enough, but they ought to about the speed difference in the NFL. And if I've learned anything in my life is that if you want to do anything great at a high level, you have to do it consistency consistently. That's why I keep talking about it when we talk about how do you become good at stuff and look at these organizations in the NFL that are successful, how do they do that? Well, they're consistent. The Titans haven't had practices together in the middle of a season right and I, I i'm obviously using bigger words than we should be actually speaking about we're still in the early part of the season but they started out three and oh and they basically haven't played together in two weeks and that includes a practice time too because of covid and then they're going to go play a four and oh bills team with a enough gusto to say, i can say that's a physical football team and you've been laid up, laid up for two weeks. Think about that. There's a difference in the mindset there. Um, and I just, I have a feeling that injuries are coming for the Titans, um, and for the bills, it's dangerous for both sides, right? Because if one guy has been going full speed, yeah. right. And he's played an additional game and he's had an additional two weeks of practice in you and you aren't going full speed, then you're not meeting at, you know, it's not that, uh, uh, an unmovable force meets uh, an unstoppable thing. You know, none of those things are happening when mm-hmm. you guys haven't been going full speed uh, and haven't been practicing together. And of course, the Lions and Packers have a bye week. So, I think that's a good spot to kind of wrap it up uh, here at episode 6. Remember to follow us
0: mm-hmm. on the Twitter machine. Oh yeah. At Likely Alien myself, mm-hmm. at nice Read Steve or the podcast at Pancake
1: Yeah, and we're afternoon pancakes uh we're part of stampede blues uh podcast network uh so you can always follow at stampede blue um that's who we think's gonna win the game this week um uh, we'll see after next week's games. so enjoy the games go colts three and one about to be four and one get a big road win today wear a mask and vote
0: go colts and vote yes vote